We're all in this together, what we are. Anyways, <laughs> we don't have the licensing for that. everyone and welcome to Maybe Geek Again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. My name is Shaheen and I'm joined by my singular co-host today, Bubs. Hi. This is um, episode 96 of our podcast and we're going to be talking about The 100, season 7, episode 15. Woo! Uh, Joe couldn't join us today. Um... Because, you know, she made fun of me last week, and this is nature's <laughs> revenge. So, <laughs> um, feel better, Joe. Also, happy birthday. Um, drink water. Um, Take an Advil. <laughs> you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We also love fan feedback, so feel free to come yell at us at, on Twitter at MaybeGeekAgain or at MaybeGeekAgain at gmail.com. And of course, we always post the episodes to Reddit in case you enjoy long-form discussion. Great to have you here, Bubs. Uh, great um, to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, we usually start with giving some information about ourselves and a quick icebreaker game. This week's icebreaker game is, if you were to send one character, living or, de- living or dead, from the hundred, to take the last test, who would it be? Um, yeah, Bubs. So I'm Bubs. I'm from San Diego, and now I live here too. Um, and yeah, I guess I'll just answer the question. That's my tidbit. <laughs> uh, so if I were to send one character, living or dead, to take the last test, um, I think that I would pick Monty. Um, I mean, he's kind of an obvious choice. Uh among the possible choices and other ones that like I considered are obviously Jordan because he's like mm-hmm. the the quiet voice of reason this season um and but I think ultimately I go with Monty because Jordan doesn't have a lot of life experience um so he doesn't feel like the ideal person to take the test because of that for some reason and I was um eavesdropping on a funny conversation on Twitter where um, I think it was between Selena and some other person, and they were saying that Jordan was the right person because he, you know, he was so pure. Um, and then they went on to discuss like, oh, you know, what makes him pure is that he hasn't had a lot of contact with humanity. What does that say about humanity? And it's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, and so, so like, he's more naive than maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, with his childlike wonder. Um, so, yeah, so I, I go with Monty because he's seen some shit, but he, he's level-headed, he's smart, he's kind, he's still a, a person of action, um, and so I, I think that he would approach it as best he could, um, and, yeah, so I, I, I pick Monty. <laughs> yeah. What about you? He's the kind of person who, who sees the big picture, mm-hmm. um, He's usually he usually doesn't lose sight. Um, yeah, so Monty is a great choice. So now I don't have that option anymore. <laughs> but, 
it's uh yeah Monty's a great option um but i mean harper's you know mm-hmm. i say i'd say you know right up next in line um and and otherwise it kind of depends on um what exactly what kind of test it is and what they're gonna do or ask like is it just a, a theoretical test um or is it like a simulation shit's gonna go down you have to like make snap decisions or you know because if it's just like theory i would think like you know kane even kane would be good like he has good theory about you know how to be nice to each other um he wasn't really good at implementing it but you know if if they're just gonna ask like what do you think how do you think people should get along i mean you know it's fine uh amori is <laughs> amori is also a, a good character and she's um she's been through so much she was cast out and she doesn't she's not resentful she she's always for peace and, and getting along and understanding each other mm-hmm. uh even people who let you out to die you know she wants you to, to talk to them which is you know something i firmly believe in mm-hmm. um so yeah i think you know those are good i mean it makes it hard because um we don't know the society that created the so- stones and this quote-unquote test that they're all going to have to take so it's it's hard without knowing them to know what they value because the test is presumably going to be about what they value um and i i don't know what clue like it it does seem um and i think you said this before that it's they value what did you say like unity and commune like yeah impartialism and like Mm -hmm. not preferring the few to the many and you know things like that yeah that's what that is what the show is implying but where did they where are they implying that from like what do we know anything like have they yeah sh- was this like in the bardon texts you know or yeah, yeah was where it? is this idea coming from <laughs> yeah. no I, I agree with you we don't know but like it seems like that's what at least what Cadigan thinks is that, that they're testing uh, well, he thinks um, it's a war, but he thinks yeah. in order to win that war, you have to think like an ant. Mm-hmm. You have to think in a collectivist way and um, in an impartial way with no personal selfish attachments and mm-hmm. love and things like that. Um, it's very stoic, very Spartan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so it, yeah, if... It, is it that? Is that what they're... T- yeah, we don't know... We don't know who they are and what they, they're asking. Yeah, it's... What if it's just like, who's the hottest species? <laughs> if you're a hot species, yeah. you get to pass. <laughs> like, it's just... There's like, we don't know. Like, there's... They have told us yeah. nothing about this test that how are we supposed to prepare for a test we don't... Yeah, what you is know? the test on? Which chapter is, is on the test? <laughs> Yeah, if we don't know the chapter in the book, like, they don't even know what, like, book. You don't even know which textbook. It's is. just like, there's going to be some exam. <laughs> so, yeah, you know that uh, that Rick and Morty episode where that giant head comes down and he's like, 
Show me what you got. Yeah. Can you see that? <laughs> what if it's that? And you just have to like jazz it up and, and play something <laughs> that yeah. they like. And yeah, you spend like hundreds of years practicing fighting and everything. You should have just been practicing music. Yeah, it, it's just like this whole test concept. I, what? <laughs> yeah, and like. There's always this question of, like, can we just not take the test? Yeah. Like, Wh- why would we take a test that, like, if someone came to me and was like, you can take a test. Um, If you pass it, you get to be a glowy light in the clouds. If you fail, you die. I'd be like, I'm sorry. I don't think the glowy light in the cloud gets Netflix. So I'm going to just <laughs> know. Because <laughs> they know that. <laughs> yeah. How do you even know that's fun? Like. For all you know, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, you know what? I'm going to stick with what I have. It's, I'm kind of chill here. Like, you know, thanks. That's that's great. That's an interesting idea. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then the, the, apparently, like, you get to decide for everyone. Like, even people who didn't want to take the test will suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. It's a big decision it, to make on behalf of everybody. <laughs> it's kind of um, yeah we'll we'll see I guess next week yes well, it all has to get wrapped up right yep mm-hmm. but don't worry don't worry guys they have an extra minute on this episode so I'm sure that's going to be enough time <laughs> to wrap all this up <laughs> is it really just one minute yeah one extra oh, minute wow. okay. well, some people are like maybe this will be like a two-hour finale. <laughs> one minute, guys. <laughs> we got one minute. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else about um, any overall thing before we move on? Oh, um, I don't think we actually... That was just wrapping up our um, icebreaker. Oh, right. We didn't get into overall takes either. Yeah. I guess we can get okay, to Okay, let's takes. get into the overall takes. <laughs> um, and Joe has left us some notes for her overall takes, so mm-hmm. I'll give a, a little summary of that. Um, I mean, Great. her big, her kind of like big grief was like retcon question mark, retcon exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she liked the Raven Memory stuff, which I agree. I thought that that was the strongest part of the episode. Um, and then, you know, she also had some qualms about, like, the whole, you know, they killed Bellamy so that Maddie could, uh, maybe get killed off by Clark. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Clark just leaves her paralyzed. So, you know, we're going to talk about that scene, both of us, um, because there's a lot to talk about there. And as Joe says, it was incredibly fucked up. Um, but her big note is she has a tin hat theory, um, that this whole show has been, quote unquote, the test. Um, with different permutations of partialism being um, through each season. Um, and, and so you can kind of like think and I think like her first example is Clark has to choose to kill a faceless army for her new concept of my people um, and so on through each season. Each All those like levers she had to pull, all the decisions she's had to make, um, including sacrificing herself, are all part of this test that we have been watching. Um, and I thought that was interesting, um, especially because, I mean, the fact that there are so many theories about it's all been a test or it's 
all a coma or it's all something. Um, I think people are just so they don't really like where the show is right now. And so everything being fake is like a better option than I think where we found ourselves. um, That's just something. At present. Yeah. Um, I think like when you, this episode's called the dying of the light, then like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) This really is just, you know, it just keeps getting dimmer and dimmer. Um, But yeah. Do you want to do your takes and then I'll do mine? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is actually a good segue into my overall take because uh, the uh, it, I have this feeling watching this episode and, and the ones, um, or a lot of episodes this season, but especially the last couple episodes, um, is that nothing feels real. It's like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like the characters are just kind of mouthing the words, but you don't feel it. It doesn't feel like it it would be coming from that character. Maybe it's because it's so out of character, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't know if like actors are jaded and they don't like the turn that the characters have taken. So they're not acting as well. Some of it feels overacted. Uh, I don't know. It just feels kind of unreal. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> Yeah, I can understand why people would think it's a simulation of some sort, but um, I actually don't think um, I don't think that's what we're gonna get. But yeah, so that was kind of my overall take. <laughs> what was yours? I think the nicest thing I have to say is the pacing was good, which you know, pacing mm-hmm. is really important to me, so that's it's saying something. Um, but I think I had a lot of the same feelings you did in terms of, like, nothing feels real. Um, it's just, it's hard, like, with, how do I say this? Um, after they killed Bellamy, um, and now Clark is, like, back to, like, season five, like, Mama Bear crazy. Um, and the rest of the dynamics we have are brand new dynamics or things that happened off screen, except for the Raven and Memori stuff. Like I said, that was good. Um, and so it's just like, we're supposed to be kind of climbing to this um, ending and it should be exciting and scary and all these things. And um, while I did feel emotional in the last scene, which was the, the really disturbing scene, um, it what it didn't have some like good emotions. Um, I mostly just feel very disconnected from all of it. Um, and I think, I I mean, Bellamy was the connector for a lot of these relationships. Um, and so without that, it's just like you know, who cares what happens? Like whether this is a test, whether it's all like a dream. Like, um, it's it's really hard to feel like on the edge of your seat and being like what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next so i'm just like i mean who cares at this point <laughs> like there's there's no happy ending at, for anybody like it's it, it's already over like <laughs> whether either they're gonna be like some glowy thing in the in the clouds or dead or i mean i don't know it just <laughs> it, yeah but the pacing was good the pacing was good yeah good yeah. 
Excellent. Um, so yeah, um, before we get into the um, episode, um, I, I have one thing that came to me when I was uh, editing last week's episode um, that I thought would be good to mention, and it's kind of um, the background to everything that's happening, so I, uh, I think we could just maybe get it out of the way here, mm-hmm. um, is about the time walk of the Earth. Um, because if I understand it correctly, the Earth must be going the fastest of all the planets that we know. Um, because the black hole, the, being the presence of the black hole will slow time down. So, I mean, I mean the Earth is not near that black hole or any um, nearby black hole. So, um, it would presumably be going at least as fast as Etheria or whatever, whatever the fastest planet is. Um, so, or, or, or not Etheria, Skyrim? Is that, yeah. Um, so I think that what we're meant to believe is that it's now been hundreds or thousands of years later on Earth. And, you know, Earth has, has had time to, to grow back and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not, it's not consistent. Like it's some of this, like if that's true, then you know, when, when they're on, when they're in the bunker, um, and then they, they go to Bardo, like the people who are back in the bunker must be like dead by now, you know, yeah. you know like be a hundred years old. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure that like, that that's the way it works is like that. Cause the farther away you're from the black hole, the fastest your time will go. Um, and the Earth is, you know, the farthest from the black hole, obviously. So, yeah. Um, it doesn't really match up, I feel. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many ways in which this whole thing has been violated. <laughs> yeah. It'd be um, one thing if yeah. they, the last thing that happened was they went back to Earth and then they're like, oh, it's a thousand years in the future now now mm. everything's fine and somehow there's birds again which i'd be like i don't mm. think that i don't think it works like that guys you can't burn the whole planet and just be like oh but like somehow a birds are like i don't like if people couldn't live there maybe maybe you have some like bacteria some like really small bugs uh, sub subterranean and like it, when species evolve again um they're not gonna it's not going to be the exact same species, you know? Yeah, you're throwing the dice. It's going to be different species. Every time. Yeah, like, like uh, you know, last time it was dinosaurs, this time it was us. Like, it's not going to be the same types of creatures. Yeah, so and they don't... New organisms do not evolve in a thousand years. Like, we're going to need, like, a million years if we're going to actually have creatures. Yeah, and like the the one time that they cared about like going to the portal at the same time, lest they end up on at you know very different times on the other end, was mm-hmm. when um, Gabriel conveniently mentioned it, and that was the only time that it mattered. Um, after that, it's just whatever. <laughs> yeah, and we haven't even like so Bellamy going to Etheria. Ethereum is slower. He didn't lose his memories. Um, and that's why people thought it was a simulation. Um, which still, like, are we ever going to find out what, what the fuck that was? Why are there 
randomly be a light in a cave. Like, I I don't understand. It's all gonna get answered next. (laughs) With that extra minute. (laughs) Everything will be resolved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, brace for impact. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, you want to get into the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Um, so, um, I guess I forgot to say this episode is called The Dying of the Light, directed by Ian Samoyle mm-hmm. and written by Kim Shamway. Um, I was thinking that we could start with the, um, rescue crew, um, you know, the whole Emory and Rebarb, yeah. and then, uh, go to the Clark and Co. and then, um, End it with Bardo. Okay, sounds good. All right. Um. So yeah, the Amori is injured. Um. She's a scratch. Scratch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. It was heartwarming and everything, the whole story, but I wasn't sure what the purpose of it was. Like, it just kind of felt like filler because, like, I mean, what are some possibilities? Like, it's part of the uh, part part of Murphy. And Maury's arc, or was it just like to keep Clark and Co. from the stone? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, what did you think? Um, yeah, I, I mean, with the show in these later seasons, you it does kind of feel like somebody's lifted the hood and we're just watching like all yeah. the the <laughs> mechanisms at play. Um, seeing how the sausage is made. Exactly, and so yeah, this scene. Um. It is, and I wondered that too. I was like, "What was the purpose of this?" Um, and so, like the things that, I mean, as cynical as they needed to give these characters something to do, and it's the mm-hmm. penultimate episode, so obviously there has to be some kind of life or death, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it was weird that they sent a bomb. When I think yeah. back on it, which led to all this, because. I think, like, I mean, he thinks that, okay, well, Bill thinks that he's about to win the war, and then I guess it doesn't matter if they have a way to get to Earth, because everyone's just going to be a glowy light. (laughs) Um, But I I think, like, still, it's just, it's weird to ruin, to maybe ruin, oh no, he said it's, like, indestructible. I don't, I mean, I still think it was weird that they send a bomb. Um, the cause yeah, of and this. wasn't Maddie still there at that point when they sent the bomb? No, I think she just left. Okay, so they knew when they sent the bomb because, like, for all, I was wondering, like, for all they knew, like Maddie could be killed. Yeah, no, I think it was like she just disappeared, and they were in that room, and then uh-huh. the gl- the green light opened, and they thought soldiers were going to come through, but it was the bomb. Okay. Um, also, if they're yeah. fighting a war, wouldn't they need all the weapons they can have? Because. Yeah, I wasn't sure as, like, what was, why, why a bomb? I had the same question. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm nitpicking at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a quick, easy way to fuck everyone there over. Um, but yeah, getting back to, like, your question about, um, Amori, um, Raven and Murphy and Jackson, um, I mean, it could just be an extension of 
Murphy being the hero and um, Amori being like this selfless person now, <laughs> um, which has been a, lot, a huge time coming for her. I think that development has been good. Um, but apart from that, I mean, I'm leaning towards it cynically just needing time to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does provide us with our like contrasting perspective between Clark and Amori. And yeah. the way, although I don't know that it's a fair comparison because I think there's a very big difference between like you think you're dying and you're seeing your loved ones scramble to try to save you and you know that the situation is grim. Um, and so your perspective in that moment is very different than the perspective of somebody actively trying to save um, a loved one. Uh huh. Yeah. Like if it's you, then you're more more inclined to like be altruistic. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Like the real test is what if it's your child or something like yeah. that. Because yeah. Because we see Murphy's no, like, let's point. not worry about anybody else. Let's focus on helping you, and then we can help everybody else. Um, right. And and Amori says, if it, the choice is between saving me and saving everybody saving everyone you choose everyone yeah yeah and that's that's great i mean that's um i'm glad that that line was in there um it's clearly in contrast as you're saying to clark and Mm -hmm. in in the same vein in in the same reference as you know um cadigan's whole thing about like selfish love and uh having personal attachments um, versus, um, you know, being impartial and living for the many and being a collective, whatever. Um, and you know, Amore is like setting up the sort of trolley problem where, um, you know, it's like a the regular trolley trolley problem where you have one person on one track and five people on another track, um. And you know you're supposed you are supposed to decide if you want to switch switch the tracks so you know one person dies or five people die, and if it's you don't know who they are you don't know any of the six people then it would it's just a you know it's just algebra right it's just five mm-hmm. versus one so you're like well obviously it makes more sense to to have the one person die, uh, be killed by the trolley and save the five. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what if the one person is your mom or your your son or your your uh sibling or you know um then uh you know that's that sort of does does that change things for you or not is basically a test for partiality right mm-hmm. uh will your d- decision about switching be different based on who that one person is and if you take Amori literally uh, I mean, as you were saying, you can just interpret it as she's just saying for herself personally, she doesn't think she's more important than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you take it more generally, she, uh, take her as saying that um, when the choice is between someone you love and the rest of humanity or millions of people or whatever, um, you should choose the millions. Mm-hmm. Um right this is a direct contrast to what clark is doing 
Um, and so it's then there raises the question of like, is are we supposed to like be turned against Clark? Is like Amore representing the um the right way of looking at things? Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's not clear to me. And I mean, not again. I I emphasize this every time. I'm not saying the story has to take a side side or like be preach or tell us anything but like the proportions of these are, are kind of weird like this perspective that Amore is presenting is actually very unpopular among the characters on the show yeah. <laughs> um like most of them think that no you you can save um it you know it's totally understandable if you you want to save one person that you love at the expense of you know tons and tons of other people uh, possibly the whole humanity, which to me doesn't even make sense because if everyone else dies, you're not going to last that long. Um, but anyway, um, it seems like everyone is kind of believes in that. Is it's kind of glorified as yeah, that's love. You know, that's how they show love is to have the person do something, mm-hmm. um, something kind of stupid. As a, uh, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> like the way Clark is acting. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely used a lot to show love, which is a very weird way, I think, to show that. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Is, um, is it just on this show or do you think this is generally in drama is usually used to, to show love? Um, I think it's used... I think it's definitely used in other shows, but I think that they kind of vary more the way it's not like every single decision is I either save you or kill a bunch of people. I think other shows yeah. would say like either I um I put myself in danger to save you. Right. Um I there was something very important to me that the show made very clear. It was very important to me, and I threw all that away to make yeah. sure that you were safe. Um, so there's right. a lot of different ways to show that, to show cost, and um, it doesn't always have Sacrifice to be for someone. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't always have to be a bunch of people are going to die so that you can know that I love you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, it's a survival show, it's a post-apocalyptic yeah. show, etc. But it's still, you know, the glorifying this idea of um, letting a bunch of people die to save the one person to to prove that you love them is, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, Amori's perspective is, is welcome and, and interesting. And just kind of, I don't know, it feels like a throwaway thing. On the other hand, it's like, isn't that the whole point of the season? Mm-hmm. Like, this should, shouldn't this be more emphasized? Because, like, more, isn't it more presenting one of the two main options? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's a little muddy. It, it, it's muddy because it's like, we don't know if the show is just showing different opinions as, like, the, the scope of um shades of gray mm-hmm. or if it's making a value statement um it, it's definitely not clear and I, I don't i don't think that 
it's trying to say that Clark is right. Um, mm-hmm. I think. I yeah I I don't apparently like in the I'm not sure about this but apparently from what I've read of chatter it seems that in the promos it makes clear that Clark takes the test and I'm just oh, like yeah. uh, how is that gonna work because I feel like mm-hmm. all we've learned in these last few episodes is that she should not take the test but yeah. it, then is the show saying that she should take the test that she's <laughs> worthy of the test I, I mean I I'm I'm as confused as you are yeah I mean Clark it's not a good candidate to take the test. Like, yeah. it's hard to not lose respect for Clark in these past few episodes because <sighs> I mean, the her whole demeanor is just kind of immature, and I don't know. She's just reactive and inconsiderate. And, she's not Clark. <laughs> yeah, and like that. There's that scene where like Levitt is like, "Oh man, these are people I grew up with." And Clark is like, who cares? All that matters is saving Maddie. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, this guy's friends just died. Like, be a little more yeah. sensitive. I don't know. Yeah. No, so, we'll talk about that yeah. moment because I had so many thoughts in that moment where I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to the rescue crew. Um, so yeah, what what do you think of the ads? Get a sign on the floor. So to me, that was like an Easter egg for the prequel that would be mm-hmm. um, explained by some kind of event. I don't know if they're stopping people from going to Bardo mm-hmm. or wherever or preventing people. Well, I guess you can't. I would think that if you, if you put the stone in cement that you can't get there from other stones. Like that to mm-hmm. me was what would make sense. But apparently that's not true. Um, you can go anywhere as long as you have a stone. Right? Right. The thing is, like, and this episode made it much clearer, there's a stone and then there's a bridge. Yeah. And they're not always in the same place. Yeah. And I don't understand exactly how that works. I never understood. The The bridge is the the green um, sort of tornado-looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the stone is, you know, the, the stone the round thing and so <laughs> i mean this episode they said we moved the bridge to a more strategically advantageous place um and they showed the they showed clark and octavia show up um in the middle of the arbitrarium or whatever mm-hmm. um whereas the stone was still in the stone room you know so oh i didn't even notice that <laughs> Yeah, and that's why Levitt thought they should show up there, right? He was like, wait, where are they? And she was like, well, there are the bridges, and the bridges in here. So, it's, yeah, she, so, I, I, so I don't know, like, what is, what is the bridge then? How do you move the bridge? Like, is there, is there a physical object that corresponds to the bridge? Or my hands. Yeah, so it's it's definitely, yeah, the, the stone being in concrete, I guess, as long as the bridge is still there, people can come in. Yeah. So I guess it's... Well, it was... But it's interesting. Yeah. you're saying it's a prequel thing. I, yeah. I, I think it's an Easter egg. And whether we will... Well, I don't know that I'd 
find out if there was a prequel. Um, <laughs> but I'm kind of torn about the prequel. Yeah, I, I just I don't know how next episode is going to make anything feel satisfying. And I, this has been a seven year journey. I, I wouldn't want to embark on another journey where I feel like mm-hmm. it didn't. You know, same thing might happen. Yeah. <laughs> I would at yeah, least, no, at the very I least, wait for it all to be over. Time. Yeah. And then see what people's reactions were. No, that's totally understandable. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> that story is a little different because, like, there's a definite ending. Um, that has it has to get there somewhere that's better. You know. I wonder if it um, makes it better because, like. It's, you know, Jason likes to reinvent the wheel every year. and he, Like, how would he be able to do that? There's less freedom. There's, yeah. I, I Honestly, I think almost immediately he would establish alternate timelines. <laughs> and then just go on some tangent. You know I'm yeah. right. <laughs> I can see it. Because yeah, it's like he... It's like, oh, we want to do something else. Well, we'll make magic beans that you can just eat and then that'll transport you. Or, you know, you can move the bridge. Like, everything is just so malleable, which I think is cool in a way. You could say it's creative, but I think at a certain point you need to lock things down so that they feel real, too. And not just, oh, there's always going to be another solution that, you know, next time we'll take a ladybug and it poops on you and then you transport (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) Depending on what color its poop was. Like, you know, I can play this game. (laughs) No, yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, it's when the reason reason everything seems so flexible is that they haven't spent time explaining anything. Mm -hmm. So everything is wide open and they can just, you know, retcon it without us realizing that they even got retconned. And, and how know? many ways of transport have they given us? Like, so there's the st- the straight up stone. Um, mm-hmm. There's if somebody else opens a bridge, because that's different, you know. There's you can mm-hmm. get stabbed, and stabbing mm-hmm. transports you. Um, you can um, tattoo a code onto somebody's back, and then if you type in that code, that person mm-hmm. it's that person's code. Mm-hmm. And then it pulls them back. Mm-hmm. And then you can take a pill. <laughs> and yeah. like, and then someone has to call you in. Why are there five different ways? In one season, we've found five different ways. There should not be five different ways, really. Yeah. I think the stabbing was ridiculous, little... but I think obviously they, the stabbing, no, I guess like she did, I don't know if they thought it through at that point. They did a little bit of explaining in that episode that where they were um, tattooing the code on Octavia's back. Uh, Levitt said that the stabbing method was used by the old Bardoans, the giants, mm-hmm. um, and that it's very dangerous that sometimes the person just explodes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she said something like 98 out of, or nine, 9 out of 10 times. Like, 90% of the time it works, and 10% of the time you might just explode. Um, huh. And they, they said, especially, Hope said at one point that especially if you don't um, stab it deep enough, then the person 
is more likely to explode. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is um, amazing. I mean, so, I would have liked to see somebody explode. A red <laughs> Yeah, one example. Show us one. Or Echo, that would have um, been fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> Hating Dude, her is the yeah. only thing I enjoy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna take that away from you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's um. So yeah, and then they said so we stopped using them. But then, where did the pills come from? I feel like we have seen the pills once before. I think that but... they were like just introduced last episode. Yeah, I had a feeling that we've seen them before. They've been mentioned before, but I don't know. But yeah, you're. I mean, like I said. There's just been everything that's happening in such a short time frame that um, they can just do whatever and they, they can always be like, no, this has always been this way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, for sure. Um, and it's, again, like a lot of these things are cool and they're creative. Um, and I don't want to knock that, but it's, right. it's the way that they've been introduced that it just always feels like they can just magic another solution. Um, yeah, I mean creativity. Cheap, really... I hmm? Yeah, sorry, I was saying that creativity um, really um, sort of glows when there's constraints. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you can appreciate creativity more when um, there are constraints. When the person creates something under um, constraints. That's why, you know, poetry has a lot of rules and stuff. Um, so, you know, some poetry, Persian poetry has a, a lot of rules. Um, and so when you read the poem, it's impressive. Um, but if, you know, you just said, do whatever you want, um, then, you know, is that even creativity? So by, by one definition, creativity requires uh, restrictions. Because mm-hmm. the whole idea is like, how are you going to solve this problem or how are you going to create not not solve a problem but how are you going to create something beautiful uh, with within these constraints Mm -hmm. you know and usually in storytelling the one of the main constraints is internal consistency that like this the the world that you create has a particular ontology and has particular laws Mm -hmm. And they're always followed, you know. Um, that's sort of what makes it believable, no matter how crazy it is, right? So the laws can be very crazy, but as long as it's internally consistent, it's believable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Um, anything else about this section? Um, well, there was the whole um, Raven um, was kind of, thinking back on Hatch and how she should have given him right. a choice. And that was such a yeah, weird like scene because she's like, um, I should have given him the choice. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm not going to make the same decision this time, she says, as she takes away Amori's choice. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's funny. You mean Amori's choice as to not being saved well to you know she wants them to go to bardo and right. stop this war that no one believes yeah. but they believe now <laughs> so I, we don't believe in it but we're well, worried about it 
Oh god. So um, very concerned. <laughs> it's not real. About this fake but... thing that Bellamy went crazy over, and that's why he's Clark killed him, and we're not sad about it because you know none of it's real. So he. It's his own yeah. fault that he died, apparently. Fuck that superstitious guy. <laughs> but but also we're very worried about the war. We're very worried about the war. So yeah, Maury says go to Bardo. Yeah. And Raven goes, No, I'm I should have given Hatch a choice. I'm not doing that again. We're gonna save you. <laughs> it's like I mean, I'm glad they're gonna save a Maury, but like that what? <laughs> yeah, how does that make sense? Like I thought you were You're smart, right. Raven. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just like really stupid <laughs> i mean emotionally it makes sense but like this is a very stupid thing to say like contradicting herself in the same breath yeah it's kind of like it's the opposite of what you're saying but it's maybe what she means is like being getting to live another day and then deciding you know what you want to do or like give you a choice to to live another day i don't know um you're right i didn't even think about it i i was um i what i was thinking about was in relation to hatch the hatch situation you know we've been wondering like what is uh raven so um guilty about what does she feel so bad about and because you know it seems like at the end of the day that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. um in terms of pure purely in terms of consequences and last time i mentioned that her worries are uh it seems like um that his, her worries are not based on consequences are not consequentialist um they're both they're based more on deontological concerns about um you know acting out of duty and uh, not using other people as mere means, um, you know, and respecting other people's dignity and choice um, and things like that. Um, So, yeah, this was uh, kind of cool that she confirmed that she would, like, I guess she thinks it might have been the right thing to do, but I should have let him decide if if he wants to do that. Um, you know, and, and you might say, well, but it was an emergency situation. What if he said no? Um, I guess then, you know, Raven might say, well, I could have asked for other volunteers. Like, you know, the time on the arc when they asked for volunteers for the colony and they were surprised that mm-hmm. instead of freaking out, people actually volunteered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this similar thing would happen. Like you could still respect the person's agency mm-hmm. um and but you would have someone who would willingly do it probably mm-hmm. you know so that's what we to understand what, what she's upset about i guess yeah i don't know does that make sense yeah i think it makes sense because i know that you know we've been saying that like she she needs to get over it because <laughs> <laughs> you know at the end of the day she, she she had to do that to save everyone. Um, I think yeah. it's more like that she's done Shades of Grey stuff before. Like, right, the fact that she yeah. didn't she didn't, like, none of those things of clung to yeah. her um, even a little bit. 
that like now she's like it's like this is the first time she's ever had to make a a hard choice and it's was maybe the wrong she went out the wrong way um but like i mean torturing lincoln she she like ripped out the electric cables to torture him slept like a baby after that (laughs) so it's it's (laughs) stuff like that that it's just like even even with what you're saying, it's like there's still like inconsistency. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean I guess you could argue that she's grown. Um she was kind of a still a teenager back then. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean I can I can still see that yeah, if you over the years like she had a hand in Mount Weather, people die in Mount Weather and uh I don't know. Did we see? Did we see her be remorseful about that? About what? About Mount Weather. Um. I guess she got tortured there, so maybe she doesn't care. Yeah, she. Well, because she wasn't like in the room making the decisions. So. Well, she did. Ex- she did set up that explosion mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah, but I think like she can rationalize that, like maybe. she. They were there to to get everybody out and not necessarily ruin, yeah, kill everybody. <laughs> I think that was explicitly not the um the objective, right? You know, like but Bellamy prepped them ahead of time, like we need to do this without people dying because you know there were kids yeah. and stuff like that, and then eventually he was he and Clark were cornered. Because they were yeah. killing their people in front of them. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, should we move on? Um. Oh, my one thing, my one petty thing was it's convenient that all the symbols that they needed from the stone were all on the same side. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well. Yeah, they would have been shit out of luck if, like, you actually had to spin the stone around to put in the the code. Yeah, they would have to, like, uncover... They, yeah, they had to uncover just a little portion of it to get all the codes. Mm-hmm. That was uh, convenient. Um, I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Um, so, let's move on to the um, whole... Clark in the death pit situation. Okay. Um, which I don't know. It, um, I'm also not sure what the point is. <laughs> um, what what aspect were you unsure of the point? Sorry, what? What part were you unsure of the point? Well, I mean, there was just like a lot of bickering, arguing. I don't know, like. Clark and uh, Gaia. Such an awkward yeah. relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you had a note about that. You have a note that says biggest eye roll. <laughs> well, it's just like, it, it, you know, it seemed out of place when they had that scene, uh, those scenes in the second or yeah. third episode of the season. And it's just right. like, what is going on here? Like, this is like out of nowhere. Um, and a lot of people, like, online were like, it's not that I'm opposed to this, it's just, like, 
it's like you walk into your bedroom and it's a lobby. Like, it's just not, like, it's out of nowhere. It's, you're just kind of like, when did this happen? And in this scene, it didn't feel, I wouldn't say it felt romantic to me. Um, but it was just, I don't know if they just need Gaia to have some kind of connection to everyone else now that they, like, essentially killed Maddie. Well, although there's one episode left. Who cares? Um, I don't, I, I really don't understand what the intention is in, like, um, building the relationship between Clark and Gaia. And, and so it was just that, like, the whole, like, the breathing exercise, I was just like, are you serious? Like, are, are you guys serious right now? Like, you're literally, you're trying to meditate in the middle of, like, like, what are you doing? Like, and I'm sure, I'm sure, like, when Clark takes the test that this is going to come back and, like, be what, like, gets her through it or something, you know? Like, you can totally the see breathing. that, right? Yeah. Um, and, but it's just, like, every bit of it. And then Guy going, I love her too, Clark, about Maddie. And, like, how long have you known Maddie? Like, two weeks? Like, I mean, that's not, like, a normal thing that a babysitter says about, like, a kid that she's been babysitting for less than a school semester. Um, and so- <laughs> I mean, she was the, um... Flame Kepa for for Maddie, so she was like her mentor. Yeah, but it was like two um, weeks. That was two weeks ago. Right, it didn't last very long. Yeah, and and Ma- Maddie kind of hated her during the whole thing. Yeah, and she was being like, I mean, it's just to me that wasn't like a believable thing to say. I love Maddie too. Like this, yeah, kid that's like your child. I'm gonna equate m- my love to yours. Like she could have said, "I care about Maddie." Um, yeah, but I, but I love her too. Clark was just—I was like, "Okay, what the fuck?" Um, and then going—I mean, going into that, that whole scene, um, I, I think the part that worked best was when Clark was lamenting her mom's feelings with what she did, and kind of mm-hmm. uh, because you know, I don't think a day goes by when my mom, now that I live at home, um, <laughs> my mom goes. Um, when you have kids, you'll know. You'll understand. <laughs> like it's like her constant refrain. Um no. so like in that scene, like it reminds me of like what my mom says all the time. Um it's like you'll know. And like, yeah, I, I think like you, you have some like retroactive um empathy for Abby that she had to st- stand back and like um she did as much as he, she could for Clark, but she did obviously take a step back. Um and while it's different because we always knew Clark is older than Maddie is. Um, it's still kind of like there is some conflict in like if she's understanding Abby and therefore understanding Maddie as seeing her as herself um, I guess like there should be a little more understanding there Um, and then she um, finally after this finally she says like I killed Bellamy to keep her safe like finally she says I killed him instead of like Bellamy got himself killed for believing that shit. Yes. I'm like, he, he got himself killed? Is that is that what we're going with? <laughs> um, that was just, like, uncalled for, for her to say it that way. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so what was the point of me bringing this up? Um, oh, when she's like, I killed him to keep her safe. And then, um, and then she's going through the stress of losing her. And then she goes, everyone I love dies. And it's like, Clark, you killed Bellamy. He he didn't just die. Like, you killed him. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. 
Yep. It, just, um, go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, it, it goes back to, like, the Clark being unlikable. Um, and again, right, I blame exactly. the writers. I do not blame Clark, because this is not the Clark that we yeah. recognize. Um, and then when Octavia says, sometimes to do the right thing, you have to take risks. Um, she says this to Hope, I think. And I was yeah. just like, but unless you're Bellamy, I guess. You know, sometimes to do the right thing, you have to take risks. Like, Bellamy thought he was doing the right thing. And mm. he was risking his friend's love for him <laughs> in doing it. Anyways, um, a lot of bitterness, obviously, for all of that. But um, I guess the whole purpose of the scene was just them getting to Bardo to answer your question that you asked a long time ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I want to say, like, because, like, you're obviously, like, a lot of fair and you're, like, a huge mm-hmm. Bellamy fan. You've always been. <clears throat> um, but I want to say that I very much uh, sympathize with everything you said. I feel the same way in terms of the way that they're treating Bellamy. Uh, even though, you know, I mean, I, I like Bellamy, but I'm not, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, fanatic about it or anything. But, like... The, it's it just feels like the writers are I mean I'm I'm taking this whole Bellamy thing as part of the screw up of the season and the the rewrite, um, and if that's the case, it seems it seems like they're just trying to um, like double down on it and and uh, like <laughs> forcibly justify the the, the choice mm-hmm. by having other characters say stupid shit like that you know like it's like oh no this 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 death that you think that it makes sense no it totally makes sense no it totally makes sense no it totally like just by repeating they're trying to like make you think it makes sense <laughs> yeah like i still not over last episode when murphy goes oh i saw him manipulate raven on the ring enough to like know how you know i'm like manipulate like yeah manipulate like a, they never showed any such thing. And that's, like, a very specific word to use with a very specific connotation. Mm. Um, and it was just slimy. It was, like, such a slimy way to, like... Like, Bellamy was a hero several times over. And, like, people have to say, like, oh, season three, like, genocide. And, like, that's not... Okay. Like, <laughs> there are a lot of reasons going on there. Um... And so, yeah, watching all this is just, like, like, it ruins a lot of stuff. Like, it doesn't, like, who are we rooting for if they're, they're you know, they're tearing down Bellamy? Like, who are these people? Um, yeah. Like, who cares what happens to them is kind of, like, the feeling that you sort of end up, and you don't want to feel that way. Like, you want to care about the characters. You want to, you want to care about what happens to them. But I, yeah. they're not making it easy, for sure. Right, and I, I mean, I think it's generally one thing that's kind of cringy to me and it, it makes me a little uh, uncomfortable or, like, makes me dislike these characters is that um, it's still someone that, you know, you had strong feelings for and who never did anything bad to you. Um, and now, like, you're so callous about his memory and like you 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 act like he deserved it and he's a piece of shit and like clark doesn't even um 
feel that seem that remorseful or, or sad mm-hmm. about Bellamy having died, all because he had a belief that you disapprove of. And that's just not cool, in my opinion. Like, it's, you know, this just because, they, like, all of a sudden they're not even the, the human to you anymore, like, they're, they, they, their life doesn't matter and they're, you know, you're not even sad about them dying anymore because they had a belief that you think was bullshit. And it's not like you think that that belief was, like, extremely harmful and like destroying the world or anything you think it was just bullshit and so just because someone you love believes in something bullshit now all of a sudden they're not they're dead to you um i don't know that's that just makes me feel icky (laughs) yeah and also like no i think you're absolutely right when you say like it's like they they're dehumanizing him to justify what clark did um, and what they, um, by extension, did as writers. Um, and it doesn't, like, especially because they also wrote in, like, Bellamy believed he was doing the right thing. Like, he believed that this was what was best for all of them. Um, and and he wanted, he just wanted them to trust him and to understand and to just give it a chance. And, like, we keep coming back to, like, if the test was if they didn't believe in the test slash war, if they thought all of it was hooey, like all of this conflict is just ridiculous. <laughs> you yeah. know, you think it's all fooey? Like you, you think like just go have Maddie tell them. And yes, of course, of course. Now we know. Um, in order for them to get the information from Maddie, she is left paralyzed from it. But that's that was not part of any of the information that we had before. That's not any of the information that Clark had. So I mean, that does not absolve her of her actions. Hmm? They could have taken it from the flame. They could have, and, and we're not sure if Maddie is in that state because she was resisting. Or, you know, because if, if they went in carefully, presumably she would have, there was a chance that she would survive. But yeah, the, at that point, definitely they had no idea. Yeah, and so they're all the all the actions are just ridiculous because if it's if if it's a fake thing that you don't believe that it's all just like bullshit and and you yeah. just you just don't want to you you just don't want to help Bill like you don't yeah. want to work with him like how many adversaries has Clark worked with in the past like you know she in this episode alone she works with Shitheda <laughs> yeah Shitheda like so I don't understand Bellamy had to die. But we're gonna work with Shitheta to do this other thing. Like, yep. how can that exist on the same <laughs> on the same plane of reality? You know, it's just there's so many logical inconsistencies in. Yeah, it, it's just, just so yeah. What there was just not enough to justify killing Bellamy. Like, even if there wasn't even enough to hate him, but even if you're convinced. That these characters have re- enough reason to hate him, there was just not enough reason to kill him, um, and so it just all seems like a desperate attempt, but, you mm-hmm. know, to to make this retro retroactively think that it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like you're saying, like it's a great point. Bellamy could have been your inside man, you know, if you He's had any hope before. for yeah. <laughs> For having an inside person, it would be Bellamy. 
And, you know, he clearly showed that even though he um, converted to Cadigan's thing, um, that he was still trying to help them and save them, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wanted to um, he wanted to accomplish both, right? And he thought that he could do it. And And if Clark wasn't so stubborn and petulant, he could have achieved both. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's it, it like he never he was never shown to be malicious or callous or um like unrecognizable. He mm-hmm. was never you know it wasn't like oh who is this person you know it yeah. was still Bellamy he just believed something new now. Yeah, um, and when they were in um when they were all on Bardo and he was trying to get them to say where the flame was, um, they were going to die otherwise. Like, yeah. Cadigan was going to execute all of them. And yeah. he was just trying to get them to not be executed. <laughs> um, and, like, it, it's like, did does Clark think that he would actually let Maddie die? Like, I don't think that he would have let Maddie die at all. Yeah. And so then instead of just having love it, you would have had two people to help protect Maddie. Mm-hmm. If that's what needed to happen. Like, it's just, come on, writers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, getting yeah. back to this whole scene, this whole, um, the test, the war, the test, the war. I don't understand why now it's like even a possible real thing to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, like if they really wanted it to be like we're supposed to wonder if it's if they think it's real, this should have happened before Bellany died. Because killing him first and then being like, oh, well, now we're worried about this test war thing, it just makes his death that much more senseless. Yeah. And I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Clark failed in her attempt to save Maddie, um. So. In retrospect, Bellamy's death was uh, senseless. But even at the time, it, it seemed like... Yeah, like, I mean, as soon as they they ended up in the bunker, um, the the next problem was, okay, so the Bardones are going to come after us now. Mm-hmm. Um, and killing Bellamy didn't change that at all. Nothing and changed. It's not like Clark didn't know that. Like, she knew that they were going to come after them. So, yeah. Yeah, even at the time, it didn't have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the time, it was clear that it wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't help with saving Maddie in any way. Um, the only reason I could think was that, like, maybe Clark thought that only Bellamy knows about the whole... Uh, sketchbook thing and if i kill him then this no one else will find out um but she hit a new yeah well i think like yeah so she would have had more bullets and everyone died maybe they wouldn't have found out about it but the thing is like she killed him she didn't have enough bullets and i i just want her to say like I killed him for no reason. The closest she gets to saying that is, 
I didn't kill Bellamy for Maddie to go send herself to this thing. Like, which again, it's so callous. It sounds so callous. But, like, if she were to, like, break down and be like, I killed him, and it didn't even matter. Like, I did that. And, like, like, you know, just kind of, like, stressing the cost that that was, then I think people could actually feel the tragedy. But there's nothing to feel because they're making it seem like it was nothing. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. I was saying, like, Clark's reaction. I would have expected, you know, a crying session from her. I mean, season four, she chose Bellamy over humanity. So. (laughs) Oh, well. Um, (laughs) What else? So, I was kind of just going off of that. I I was kind of annoyed when Clark said, uh, all I've done is uh, try to save everyone. I was like, not so, Clark. Not so. That's not all you've done. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's just annoying when Clark says that. Like, she still thinks she's... She's, like, everyone's savior. She has a savior complex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a weird thing to say. Because right now all she's doing is trying to save Maddie. Not people. Yeah, yeah, and she's you know endangered people several times. Um, she had a hand in the um, in Earth being destroyed, right? In uh, McCreary gaining power. Wait, repeat that. Clark did something to abate that, right? Um, to she stop McCreary. To help McCreary. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yes. So when she ran away from the bunker with Maddie, she um, she went to McCreary and Dioza right. and told them that the army was coming and when. Right. Yeah, so that's, um, that's not saving people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, exactly. Season five right part that nobody liked. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else about this? Um Is there anything nice I can say? I guess I like that it's Octavia and Clark that go. Um mm-hmm. Finally like OG crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I do think that them bonding, not so much over Bellamy's death, that was stupid. Um, or no, I know, when they bonded over the first death, um, because that was, like, not either of their fault. That was, that was a, that felt real. Um, Sorry, when they bonded over what? So when Bellamy fake died. Oh, I see. And then Clark found out that he fake died. And then right. Octavia, when she saw Octavia, they consoled each other with a hug. I To me, that felt very real. That felt like right. something that they would 100% do. Um, and so, yeah. So I think that they have built up their relationship. I think 
in a way that to me is believable more so than some of the other ones. Um, yeah. And also because they bonded over motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I think like, yes, OG crew. Yeah. They put some, some substantial band-aids on the relationship. Um, so yes, I am, I'm happy that they were the ones chosen to go on this journey together. Why it was only the two of them. Um, again, plot reasons, I don't know. <laughs> there are two magic beans. There's two magic beans, which I guess it makes sense that there was um, What's-His-Face in Maddie. One so there were two people who needed to take them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I guess yeah, that's no, my favorite part. Yeah, I agree. Part it's it's nice that they're... I mean, if there's any payoff from Bellamy's death, this would be one good area where it could, you know, have a payoff as um, being a reason for Clark and Octavia to get closer. Um, mm-hmm. And it's happened to some extent, but I think it probably could have been used more. Um, yeah, I wish there had been something sooner. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is the separate... Uh, I, the interaction that these characters have shared have been so minimal over the last four seasons. Um, yeah, so, there was I mean, a lot. I feel like there was a lot of potential for Octavia and Clark. Same. That was an explored. Yeah. yeah, because it, I I think this is true of a lot of the characters. Um, but like yeah. I think Clark and Octavia are different sides of the same coin. Um. They both want to help people, but they have different ways of going about it. Um, yeah, and now they have the whole motherhood thing. They have Bellamy to bond over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I know. That's I feel like I mean it's better than nothing. Like the the Raven Clark mini patch up that I didn't feel as much, but. And what kills me is that Raven and Clark have such great chemistry. Um, you really can have like dynamic scenes with those two, and they don't do it. They just they barely they barely try. Um, anyways, but should we move on to the Bardo yeah. thing? Um, because that's so yeah, Love It Goes Rogue. Um, and well, I guess we'll start with the yeah. Maddie stuff, but um, so Maddie has the locked in syndrome. Oh, we're gonna go right to the end. <laughs> oh, oh, I just mean oh, they. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's what we're all thinking about that scene, but um, you know, so Maddie arrives in Bardo. She's taken to the chair, um, and they start going through her memories, and of course, they have to go deeper. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it can't Can be that say, easy. We're asked, "What is the deal with that giant needle uh, in the MCAT machine?" It just it like focuses brainwave um lasers. <laughs> okay. <Nice. laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so that they could kill that one guy with it and that one That's yeah, that's what I feel like is the only reason is there is so Echo could kill that guy with it. Which <laughs> didn't even make sense. Anyway. It didn't make Go sense. Go ahead. Um, or yeah, Maddie arrives. Yeah. Um, and so, 
yeah, they do the whole thing with her, and um, and this is where Levitt starts to be like, wait a minute, like, um, and a few things like tip him off. It's um when they see that flash of Callie in Cadigan's like more, I want to see my yeah. daughter, yeah. And, and Levitt's like, whoa, like. I thought we yeah. weren't supposed to care about people. Um, yeah. And that was a good scene. Yeah. I could just like see like in his eyes, he's like, I had sex one time. I now know what, what um, it means to care about people. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, to me, that was the first time that was, it was officially confirmed that Cadigan is a total hypocrite. Um, I know that you guys have been saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, but I felt like so far the narrative had left it ambiguous, um, such that you could always argue that maybe he's not totally hypocritical. <coughs> Sorry, hypocritical because mm-hmm. mainly because um, there was never a case where you could clearly show that he did something um, that he wasn't already inclined to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply to see his daughter or save his daughter or whatever, you know, any, or anyone that he cares about. Uh, it seemed like it was always sort of doctrine of dual intent type of thing. It was like, um, okay, I want to do this thing, and it also means I'll get to see my daughter, so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's a huge motivation or, any, or that I would like endanger the safety of anyone or the human race or whatever for it but cool i get to see it that's you know not bad um it's consistent perhaps with being impartial you know perhaps you could um you could have someone you could care about someone in the sense that you would um sort of show them or treat them in a special way whenever it doesn't cost anyone else anything whenever it doesn't hurt mm-hmm. anyone else right um but but yeah this this time it was made very clear and you could see the look on Levitt's face mm-hmm. um when he said that it was like um he you could see Levitt losing the last bit of sort of respect and faith that he had in this man. Um, yeah, pairing that with torturing a child and potentially harming yeah. her, he's like, uh I mean, to me that also it made it clear that well, um Bellamy was supposed to play the role of Levitt, minus the Octavia. Or maybe with it. Why not? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, maybe. Yeah. Um because that it's was incest like, either way, you know, we know that. What? It's incest either way. Because, you know, Levin <laughs> exactly. is, is Bellamy and Octavia's child. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's, I did, I did think it was well done where you can see him, like, see him noting that Cadigan's, like, he's not standing by what he supposedly preaches. And if he doesn't stand by it, then what does it all mean? And um, and if there's uncertainty, why are we killing a child? <laughs> we better be damn sure if we're going to sit here and kill a child 
to supposedly save humanity when, I mean, if we just don't take the test, humanity's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so he goes rogue. Um, and... I mean, one thing that I I thought was interesting is, um, we have seen time and time again how weak the Bardoans, uh, the Bardobies' faith is. And how easily they they can be turned. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as they have like outside contact, they kind of turn. And ironically, Cadigan explained why this is uh, in, the pre- in the previous episode where he was like, my people haven't seen anything else. Mm-hmm. They don't know that anything else is possible. Um, and so that makes faith easy. Um now, he said that it makes it easy, but it also makes it very fragile and weak because if you, the only reason you believe in this thing is because you were never, never told that things could be otherwise, mm-hmm. then as soon as you find out that things could be otherwise, you're very likely to lose faith. Mm-hmm. If only for the reason that you feel like something was being hidden from you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, that uh, people are always inclined to think if this is something they they had to keep from me so um you know um like with such security then maybe there's something to it you know why are mm-hmm. they so gung-ho about not letting me know about this mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just um uh, it's funny how weak their faith is and it's, it makes sense because they don't understand anything else yeah I I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, but at the same, I mean, at the same time, because they're conditioned from like infancy, mm-hmm. I do think it would, in some ways, be strong because they're also not like mistreated. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one thing that makes faith shaky is if your needs aren't being met, mm-hmm. um, and then you're shown something else. But, you know, all their needs are met. Like, they have awesome bathrooms, apparently. <laughs> um, compare that to how people are living everywhere else. Um, Except I mean, for par- the need for mm-hmm. personal attachment, right? Yeah. That's not being met. And they they haven't even experienced it before. I mean, like, you, you can compare that with... I mean, I, I not to derail what you were saying, I agree that, like... Um, there's a difference there. Uh, but like, if you compare like to uh, Amish people, right? Mm-hmm. They they say, go out and see the other possibility for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come back if you want. And usually people who go back, they're very firm in their, in their decision. You know? mm-hmm. um, and most yeah. people go back. Sorry, what? And most people go back. Most Amish people go back. Yeah, is that is that a fact? That's I believe so. I, be, I believe it's like upwards of ninety percent. Oh wow! Mm, but I, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd actually have to look up statistics. I'm saying that with. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not sure. Um, mm. But I, I think it's. This is like where the blind faith comes into play because if you always have, um, like a so, if you were to say yes. Other ideas will tempt you, um, and that is the evil trying to claim your soul. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, if that's what they're brought up believing, mm-hmm. I think it is hard to break through that belief mm-hmm. because everything you're suspicious um, of everything because you've mm-hmm. already been forewarned that you'll be tempted. Right. Um, so I, I think that that's something that's hard to move beyond. Um, because we see that we see that all over the world yeah i mean i come from a a country where that's what we were told that like here is the right path and other people will tell you there are other paths but um that's a bad thing um you know they're, they're trying to lead you astray and even thinking about other possibilities um is you know is a bad thing and a dangerous thing and it means that your your soul is in danger, um, and it you're right that there are two. So I think there are two ways people react to this. Um, for some people, it really settles in, and it's hard to change. Um, but for some people, it kind of remains at the level of a belief more so than like a something that you're like trained and conditioned to do mm-hmm. and those people when they f- find out or think about it a little more uh it causes them a lot of suspicion um and it, it actually kind of backfires um and, and like you can see now a lot of people in, in Iran are that way. Like, uh, I forget who is um, um, one of these like atheist activists. Uh, is it Dawkin or um, who's the other guy? Um, anyway, well, one of the, these atheist activists was saying that uh, the Islamic Republic is the best regime invented for turning people into atheists mm-hmm. because it like people just um like it's easy for people to see through it and and uh be you know burned out uh precisely because they try to keep you so much from being exposed to other things that um you kind of feel like what are they trying to hide like if this thing is so bad and if our way is so obviously good then what are you so afraid of right if you think our way is the best way, then presumably I should be able to see the other way and still choose this, right? Mm-hmm. The, the fact that you don't even let me see the other way is a little suspicious. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting to think about different people's reaction to this. On the one hand, you might say, yeah, if you've, from a very young age, you've been, um, you know, just trained and habituated and, and, uh, conditioned to act this way and feel this way uh, and value certain things, then um, it's not going to change so easily. Um, so I, I understand that. On the other hand, I feel like it, de- it depends if it depends on whether it's been sort of drilled into you as a sort of non-cognitive thing you know like it's just become part of your identity or is it just is it still more of a belief for you it's something that you 
believe but don't necessarily identify with mm-hmm. um and i don't I don't know what the difference is. I think most people are inclined to identify with what they grew up with. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're right. And for most people, it wouldn't be so easy. Um, yeah. And the other hand, like when they do turn, you can well, see I, why. I can use an example. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to give an example of like, for example, like Santa Claus as a child. Uh-huh. Um, it's something that all children believe that are told to believe Santa Claus. Um, and there's a benefit, a very clear benefit from believing in Santa Claus is that you get presents. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and so I remember growing up and I think when I was like eight, like people had begun to stop believing in Santa Claus. I think mm-hmm. eight's actually old. Um, so I was like a clinger on, but like my reasoning was I felt bad questioning him after everything he'd given me. (laughs) And I I felt like it was rude. Like it was just like to think that like all the nice things that Santa Claus had given me and for me to like be like, oh, he's not real. Like it like hurt my heart to even think about. (laughs) Um, and so like, I guess if it's a, a positive experience, it is kind of hard to shake that. And I think it was like being shamed for believing something so stupid was finally what did it. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a huge component of religion, Mm -hmm. which I think is often neglected in this show and religion is depicted depicted um is that um a lot of what religion is the function that it serves is not the worship or the prayer or the sort of um mythology of it Mm um or even the the moral um principles and whatnot Mm-hmm. A lot of it is just community and just hanging out together and doing things together and celebrating things together, mm-hmm. things that have a shared significance for you and just having a good time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time, <clears throat> a lot of people, um, when they grow up, they, they kind of have a more liberal attitude towards the religion and that they think that like, okay, maybe this is not the only valid one, or maybe they're all kind of getting at a similar thing or whatever, but I'm still going to stick with my, with my religion, with my tradition, with the thing that I grew up with, mm-hmm. because it has all these positive associations, all these good things that I, you know, grew up with and, and, you know, memories that I have and whatnot. Um, and if we had been shown any like Bardoans or grounders or anyone who's been shown to be a fanatic have anything of that sort of like getting pleasure and community and, and um, comfort from the religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, not always fight and stress and, you know, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Then it would be more believable that um, they're so fanatic about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it would to make show more the sense. positives. Yeah, to show that like they have some association with it um, that is um, is kind of overriding anything they might be doubting about the the sort of metaphysics of it or the, the mythology of it. You know? mm-hmm. 
Uh, this is, I mean, and it differs from religion to religion. Like, it's very common among Jewish people mm-hmm. to have, like, this sort of attitude towards Judaism that it's like, I don't, like, necessarily believe, believe it, mm-hmm. but I still do the things, you know, I still fast on Yom Kippur, or I still go to the synagogue, or I still have my children have my children have like a bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah whatever you know um just because that's what we do that's that's us you know that's we we have fun doing it and you know there's nothing wrong with doing it <laughs> um you don't have to believe in the whole mythology of it you know um so yeah it's it's we haven't been shown that for bardonas for sure so it, it kind of makes sense to me that to them it's just an abstract belief and as soon as they see that there's another option, their 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 faith is shaken. Yeah. So yeah, um, let's move on to, I guess, um, should we move on to Maddie, or did you have something else? Um. Oh, I wanted to mention quickly, Cadigan's cult personality. Um, because I, I felt like in earlier episodes, um, I wasn't sure what they were trying to say about him. I'm like, is he a cult leader? Is he not a cult leader? I mean, obviously he's a cult leader, but, um, you know, the same way that Gabriel was all about like finding the truth in in the anomaly and all this stuff. I was wondering, was he driven to find answers in that way? Um, and in doing so accidentally made a cult or if he, if this is something that he, that he actively does as himself. And I think that this episode made it pretty clear and there's been hints, um, like the whole conversation he has with Bellamy that you referenced a little bit, um, earlier, um, when he says, you know, your faith is different from other people's faith because you've seen everything and you, and you believe whatever um it to me that was like i saw it as like a him trying to manipulate bellamy um like he was to keep him um on his side he was kind of like reinforcing the idea for him that bellamy is doing this hard thing that this makes him special and um i I think that that's like a like a cult leader thing. It's like they make people feel special. They figure out what they need and they fill that need. Right. And, um, and we see it so clearly with the way that in this episode, with the way that Cadigan speaks to Maddie, like, Oh, you're doing so well. And like, we're going to do this together again, bastardizing the word together. Thanks a lot. Kim Scottway. Um, <laughs> and so I, 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 so I'm like, okay, fine. We can, agree that he is a cult leader and he does this on purpose and this is his personality like you know it's his persona he is a cult leader um so i'm glad that they made that clear because so so much is so fuzzy so at least i can go to sleep and be like he is a cult leader (laughs) so i don't know if you picked up on that but uh, i feel like uh yeah i was i was kind of saying this um about a slightly different aspect of of Cadigan, but yeah, it's in, in the same <clears throat> sort of ballpark that 
this episode was the most definitive confirmation that he's full of shit and he's just a he's just a manipulator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, up to this point, it was is he is he not? Um, but yeah, no, I think I agree with you. <laughs> Between the whole thing with with I want to see my daughter and 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 this, you know, and the, yeah. uh, the other stuff you mentioned, yeah. Yeah, so should we move on to locked in Maddie? Um, a few more things. Uh-huh. Um oh it bothered me that like how would Levitt know that they took the magic beans? So like, that I think I can answer is because that lady came in as they were working on Maddie, that lady came in and was like, Forgive the intrusion. Some two people have taken the oh the pills. I missed that. The, I completely missed that. Yeah, and then Cadigan was like, "It must be people who are after Maddie." So, uh, yeah, so that's how. Got it. Okay. I was wondering what the purpose of that scene was, but then later I was like, "Ah, it's just so that we're so that Levitt knows what's up." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because that lady just kind of randomly comes in and reports that when we already knew that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was the reason. Well, that makes sense now. Because I was like, how would he even know that anyone took them? Like, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. <laughs> so at least that makes sense. So that's good. Um, so, okay, that answers my question. And then when Clark and Octavia um, come through... Um, how did that war set up look silly to you? Like you, you're just so stupid. So <laughs> stupid. Like, what do they think? What do they think? Like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure it's budget problems and whatnot, but like, are you serious? Like, these people crystallized a whole planet of giants, sophisticated, like, intelligent giants. What is this? It's just like, what is that you're going to defend against? A bunch of like little sandbags that they put put around. Ah, That's just so funny. Yeah, like if there was some kind of like myth to like the giants where um, in trying to protect loved ones, they messed up the war or something like that. Like then I could be like, oh, now it makes sense that they think they can just like like little ants fight this war together and then it'll work. Yeah. But there's like no and narrative I mean, like that. Like there's no, there's nothing that no, says, let's yeah. get like a bunch of people in the field with some rocket launchers. And then we can definitely do better than the giant sophisticated, um, giants who lost the last one. <laughs> and like, at this point, they've seen how, what is it called? Element six or whatever. Mm-hmm. What is the thing called? I forget. Uh, um, element nine. Element nine. At this point, I've seen how that works. Yeah. Um, and before they were like, "Oh, we don't know exactly what it is," but like, you they had seen that the the people were crystallized, and then they saw it work on uh, Dioza, right? So mm-hmm. like, we know how it works. It crystallizes you on touch. Um, you know, it's kind of like the proto molecule. Except it acts a lot faster than the protomolecule. Um, for those who don't know, it's from the Expanse. We talked about 
another show that we're podcasting. Um, so yeah, it's like if they come through that portal, and you're sending them with your stupid Kalashnikovs, mm-hmm. they're just gonna like throw a bunch of the element nine on you and crystallize you. How's that gonna save you? <laughs> you think that they would like plan a lot for that specifically for like how are we going to protect ourselves against this thing like develop a certain like special you know um what, out, outfit or whatever material that is resistant to it or something but no it's just a bunch of guns <laughs> seriously it's hilarious it, um, it just looks so funny i'm glad that you agree because i was like wait yeah Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so pathetic. It looks so pathetic. Um, yeah. Uh, um, and then and that area is like you have no room to fall back. What are you like they're completely <laughs> cornered by all the trees and shit. Do they think they're just gonna shoot the element nine back at them <laughs> and be like and then like open a portal to somewhere and be like, bye. Like, I have no idea what they're thinking. It's so <laughs> okay. funny. Have they ever seen a war? Have they ever, like, watched war videos and stuff? Maybe all they've seen <laughs> is the Octavia <laughs> season three. Hologram. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's funny. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> and then right, we have um, um, yeah. Octavia nice. and... Clark talk in the cell and um so oh, I hate that conversation we do what shithead of sings oh my god right but no before there was the whole um I guess we already talked about it where um she was like what Maddie means to you I meant to Bellamy that's how I'll remember right. him and we already kind of touched on that where it's like he was still him like Jesus Christ like <laughs> yeah Maybe take a break from consoling his murderer. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then, yes. And then Levitt breaks them out. And Levitt kicks some serious butt. Which, I mean, it's so weird that the White Power Rangers are better fighters than their fighters. But I guess in the 100, everyone's a fighter anyways. So, like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's level 12. So, I think, like, they're, again, it's like a Spartan culture where, like, growing up uh, in... The, like levels of virtue also implies becoming a better fighter. No. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, well, I'll take it. Because like there was a time when like, with uh, hope was like, I was trained by level twelve. What else you got? So like, <laughs> I guess they're supposed to be good fighters. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's true. it's the whole thing. I mean, Levitt kicking their ass, like subduing all those bees. And then Shehera killing everyone. That's such bullshit. Seriously. Um, but, oh, one thing that it reminded me of um, uh. this episode. Um, so Levitt is going in whole, the whole thing of like Levitt going rogue. This is not the first time he's like gone rogue. But I mean, it's the most dramatically rogue he's gone. But in the past, he's been punished for, um, I guess, assisting Octavia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he had to be a janitor for a day. That was so weird. They never really explained that. But I guess that was a punishment. But remember, um, 
the level 12, um, what was his name, that taught Hope first, or second, um, the Shakespearean name? Um, Dave? No, the other one. Um, Orlando? Orlando, yes. Um, or taught the three of them. Um, he said that he was sent to penance because he worked too long. (laughs) Oh, right. So if he takes a day off. Yeah. So he, for working too much, he got 10 years on penance. But why does Levitt, like, he has to mop for, like, a few hours. Yeah. When he does something far far worse like there's no it doesn't make any sense <laughs> and i was just like that bothered me for a really long time once i like thought of it their penal system makes no sense on boredom they don't seem to have one as i keep saying it just seems like on a whim they decide okay you go sweep there you go be alone for 20 years you go get flowers um, from the <laughs> terrarium or whatever it is yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> I, th- um, I feel like Jason thinks that that's the only punishment. Like, because that's what Bellamy got for becoming a janitor, right? Is that what? Mm-hmm. Or was he a janitor first? Anyway. No, no, he became um, a janitor after he was kicked off the guard when they found right. out about Octavia. Right. Because, yeah, so there we go. <laughs> uh, anything else? Um,. So then, oh, so, so Levitt breaks them out, and then they decide they need to create a ruckus, so who do they go to but Shippetta? And, I guess we already mentioned this, but, like, how can they work with him but not Bellamy? (laughs) Like, they can join forces with everyone but Bellamy, apparently. And it just makes me so mad, so I had to say it again. Um, And now we can move to the Maddie scene. (laughs) No, the whole thing with keeping Shithead alive is c- continues to piss me off. Ugh. It makes no sense. It, it doesn't um, make any sense. Yeah, like this guy is, like I said before, he's a fucking hazard. Like he shouldn't be left to his own devices. So <laughs> just kill him already. It, it made me feel like they, they invented Shithead in season six um, and then they didn't know what to do with him. And I mean, so, they didn't have to do anything with him. Right? He could have just been gone when, when the flame was destroyed. There was really no reason for him to stick around. I agree. I mean, it's I would have been annoying. so much happier if, like, other commanders came out of the, the flame. Or, like, yeah, got transferred to a new body. Some more interesting commanders, not... Yeah. yeah. And then the next little thing where Levitt faces war, and Octavia's like, yeah, this is what war actually looks like, not like the little hologrammy thingies that you curved on my brain. Um, and he's, I thought that was such a weird moment because, like, he went to get them so that they could do the right thing, but then it feels still like the wrong thing. Because... Mm. You know, yeah. people are still dying. <laughs> so I didn't really, yeah, I was like, like not trying to feel in that moment. I, was, I, you know. Yeah, I was, I was also sort of taken aback by that scene for a number of reasons. 
both because of what Clark said and both and what Octavius said. Because like, first of all, what war? There's no war. You're here on a rescue mission to rescue a child. So, what do you mean war? This, this is not war. Mm-hmm. Um. So, it, it the question should be. I mean, so and and okay. So the second thing is like, let's even if it is war. So what? Um. Does that mean like any death is fair game? It's like well. People die. Well, it's war. What do you expect? Well, no, we have rules about uh, collateral damage and and civilian casualties. You know, it has to be necessary and it has to be proportional and it has to be um, uh, whatever. There are three conditions that humanitarian law has for uh, civilian casualties. Now, uh, granted, this is you know post apocalypse, so. They're not bound by the Geneva Convention, but they <laughs> they still know that like there's just war and unjust war, and you know you still have to ask yourself if you're you know you sure you're there to save a child who was taken. Um, well, I mean it's it's hard to say, but let's say he, she was taken wrongfully. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because in this case she turned herself in, so it's not even. Uh, but let's say she was kidnapped. You're here to save a child who was kidnapped. You should. You still have to ask yourself: uh, Is that is it okay to kill ten random people um, to save this one child? Mm-hmm. You know, even like these people didn't kidnap her. Um, so and and so there, there seems to be this assumption of guilt by association that uh, that makes me uncomfortable all across the show that like. Every time they talk about killing Bardoans, they were like, them, they, let's kill them. Mm-hmm. They took my mom. They did this. They, and I was like, who's they? How do you know this is, like, you have like, no idea how monolithic this population is. Like Echo's whole arc about murdering Bardo bees. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so it's the same thing here. It's like, well, sure, these are people who work in this building, but... They didn't like maybe like you could you shouldn't be okay with killing them unless you really had to at least you know and it, it's not clear that, that that's not how it feels they're just really Octavia and Clark are really callous about it they're they're just kind of like ah oh, well shit happens um let's let's go get Maddie moving on <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. so. So yeah, so they make it back to Maddie, who's by herself, and yeah, and so she's locked in. Yeah, um, and so you know the locked in syndrome is a real thing. Yes, um, I do know yeah. that. Um, it's but can they move fun. their eyes? Um, I mean, if the person can move anything at all, then you can use that to communicate with them. That's really the, the terrifying thing and frustrating thing about it is that, I mean, like Stephen Hawking, for example, mm-hmm. um, Stephen Hawking is one muscle away or a couple of muscles away from total locked in syndrome. Um, so he can move a, a few muscles or, or one muscle on, on his, somewhere on his face. 
And so they they connected that muscle to this machine that then he can use that muscle by jiggling it. He can toggle option and like choose letters of alphabet um, to, to, you know, say whatever he wants to say. So then he can write, you know, physics articles and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it were, for, if that one muscle became, you know, um, also died or became paralyzed then there would be no way to communicate <laughs> right yeah it's it's really scary uh like you you know the person hears you but you have no way of knowing what they want um and like i always wonder should you put them to rest i mean you don't know if that's what they want you don't know um, what they want, yeah. And it, um, the whole, I mean, Clark just jumps to that decision that she jumps to. I know. Immediately. So and, and like, yes, I'll give a nod to the season one, episode three scene, um, in Earth Kills, where Clark, um, helps Bellamy, um, by killing Adam and hums that song to him. Um, but the, she jumps right to that and she does that knowing that they're in Bardo that has, you know, advanced, um, technology and sure Levitt says there's nothing we can do or something to that effect. But like, what is the first thing get a parent just says? What? I said, get a second opinion for Gus. Exactly. The first thing a parent says when they get a bad diagnosis for their child is I want a second opinion. Um, And of course this is not a normal situation. I understand that, but like they're Maddie is literally sitting under a thing that connects to her brain. You can't tell me that like pulling together some knowledge resources, some Raven, some Jordan, they couldn't like put together some kind of communication device for Maddie to at least at the very least have her give her wishes. Um, and, and also like, we already know that the whole chip things are technology. Um, and so like, there's so many directions that that whole thing can go. And I think what we're seeing being set up, especially because Maddie is left there alive, which I, that was hilarious that Clark goes, oh, my God, he just got the code and then just left her here. When yeah. she finds out that Katagan <laughs> has the code, she then just leaves her daughter there. <laughs> um, so that was a little hypocritical. Yeah, she says, we'll be back. But, like, come on. <laughs> that wasn't much better. That whole thing was, was hard to watch because, like, imagine things from Maddie's perspective. I know. They just put a gun to your chest almost shot you dead and then they're like oh oops we got this other thing to do um bye we'll come back and kill you later now you have to sit there and wait for it that's horrible what the fuck just kill her like you can just quickly kill her and then go get cat again if you were gonna do that anyway Um, yeah if she's gonna do that anyway if that was gonna be the choice for whatever reason which again is horribly poorly framed and completely neglects like real issues um which i think we're supposed to just ignore all of that because it's a 
weird situation. But I don't think that you can, especially especially the fact that all that technology is in place and that everyone is supposedly so smart. Um, when you're ignoring that technology and the characters, that it means that you, it, it's the writer saying that I don't believe that's a life worth living. And the fact that people live that life in our world is it's it's wrong. It's wrong that they framed it that way. Um, yeah. And I know that it was upsetting to a lot of people, especially ones who have family members um, or have that themselves, obviously. So. Yeah. And, you know, Clark is always all about there's all there's another way. We'll find another way. Exactly. Like when Alice told her there is no way to save the Earth from Prime Fire, second Prime Fire. Um she didn't believe that. She was like, no, we'll find a way. And I always, I objected at the time. I was like, what other way? Like, what is your concrete plan? You know, like, you just have this faith that there is some other way. But yeah, this was incredibly quick. Um, you think that, yeah, you, you take some time to think about it, get a second opinion, um, you know, see maybe there's some magic we can do or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um and yeah it it was just really really quick it was yeah (laughs) it's i i don't understand why i mean i guess no i do understand because obviously they're setting up that there's some kind of transcendence is like going into like the city of lights or something um, and so that's where Maddie will go. And then everyone, I don't, I don't know. Everyone there will be happy, question mark, even though in season three, the city of light was not yeah. desirable. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't un- really understand. I, I, I just feel like we're going in circles. So maybe, maybe Joe is right that this is it's just like one giant test um, with, <laughs> Yeah. With similar, what's it called? Things Same that they're testing for. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. yeah I, I, well. <laughs> Anything else about Bardo? Um. Well, so now Clark believes that they have to stop the stop Bill from putting in the code and starting the war because apparently now the war is a real thing. How? What? How? <laughs> and none of it makes sense. I don't understand. It's so messy. It's just so messy. And I, I like. Yeah, I, yeah, go on. Sorry, I was wondering if this is all, you know, still the result of like the rewriting. Like, are they mixing two storylines together? You know, because. It, it's, it feels kind of schizophrenic for Clark. Like she goes back and forth between, uh, oh, this thing isn't real, and oh, we have to stop them before it happens. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, yeah, I'm I pretty know. sure Levitt was Bellamy's part. And, it's, and I think like they hired an actor that looks so much like Bellamy because they wanted to maybe reuse some of the scenes. Um mm. And so, like, if his face wasn't clear, they thought maybe they could, mm-hmm. you know, get away with it. Um, and I, I know that, like, the Instagram post where 
um, Jason, what's his name? Jason Lee? I can't remember. No, Jason Diaz. That's his name. Um, announced that he was joining the show. The way he phrased it was like, I'm like being brought on to help wrap up the final season. So like, that's not what you say. You're like, I was cast in this, this, this. But it kind of, I think it spoke to like, well, what happened? He's like, I'm being brought on to help wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if those are the scenes that for Bellamy were cut, then, I mean, I mean, they had to have shuffled things around so there were enough scenes for things. I think the only thing that makes me sad is maybe that there was more Bellamy and Clark scenes because obviously Clark is barely in anything <laughs> this season too. Um, but maybe it was just that also when everything went down, Eliza did not agree to do, or I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, so if they had to take out Bellamy's scenes for Levitt, then maybe we're missing stuff that I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I can't make it make sense in my head either. And yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking out loud or thinking out loud. Um Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, well, Anything else before we get into uh, little extras? Um, no, I think that's everything. All right. Um, what are your little extras? Um, <laughs> I just noticed Joe says all of it. <laughs> Joe says all of it. Um, <laughs> so, oh, you talked about Weirdy sort of talked about this, but my well actually was the whole time dilation, the memory lo- memory loss thing. Right. And how it's all of it's just like not a thing at this point. Um, and whether that has to do with the rewrites, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. Um, so I mine was, um, you know, how Levitt said, Oh wow, this memory, uh, the memories from the flame, they're not stored in any of the areas where memories are usually stored. Um, I thought that was funny because, you know, that's one of the first things you learn um, when you ask a neuroscientist about memory is that memory is not any place in the brain where things are stored. Mm -hmm. Um, Memory is just your, I mean, we don't quite understand memory. That was one of the things that we still don't completely Mm -hmm. understand. But we think that it's sort of your neurons... um, firing in a similar pattern as they fired before yeah um, so so certain patterns getting sort of carved into your neurons um so that they fire the same way again it's not any place you know it's not like oh it's here in my brain it's on the left yeah <laughs> that's where it's recorded it's like hitting um, the right piano keys hmm, that's interesting all right, so that's it. Um, shows, movies, books, games, other media you want to know? Yes. So um, <laughs> earlier when Joe said she couldn't make our um, our podcast and we were considering maybe doing it tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, we could do it tomorrow because then I could keep watching my K-drama, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, I mean, I've heard about Korean dramas 
for I think the last like solidly for the last year I've heard people I know talking about them um and I was like well maybe I'll check that out but I was I'm such a lazy viewer sometimes um especially when I'm binging stuff that if it's in a foreign language and I can't change it to English audio um usually I skip it because I like to do a lot of things at once and if I have to like read the subtitles I can't do that you know um, so I kind of just put it off and I put it off until finally, um, I was looking for something new. I feel like I've crawled through everything. And, um, my friend Alicia, um, who's been on the podcast before, um, she had posted this list of K-dramas. So I went through it and I talked about, um, oh, I already talked about a K-drama last time. Anyways, whatever. Um, so I talked about my love from another star. And recommended that last episode. Um, though I watched the Filipino version. So now I'm watching a Korean drama called... Well, it's, it's like Crash Landing on You. And it's about a um, a businesswoman from South Korea is paragliding. And gets caught in a storm that accidentally drops her in North Korea. Where she's found by a Korean a North Korean soldier who then tries to help her get back to South Korea. And it is amazing. Like, it is so addictive. It is so well-written. And it's like, I mean, it's, there's a lot of plot. It moves quickly, but there's also a lot of characters, um, character work. It's just like, it's such a delight to watch. And I mean, I'm definitely going to be watching more Korean dramas in the coming weeks as I power through all the best ones, but I definitely recommend crashing, um, crashing onto you, whatever. Just like crashing, I don't know, crashing. Where do you watch it? Netflix. All right. Sweet. Um, so I'm going to recommend a podcast Hmm. called, um, Braver Angels. Um, this is a podcast run sponsored by the um, heterodox academy um, which is an organization of academics um, who believe in respectful dialogue and diversity of opinion and um, learning from disagreement and um, it's really cool they cover you know a lot of topics um, a lot of political topics and uh, other things and it's you know kind of a breeze of fresh air you know because uh, it's um, in this you know in the in the today's atmosphere where um, you can barely talk to anyone without you know um, unfriending them <laughs> it's uh it's it's really cool it's it's a nice practice for uh how to disagree respectfully and uh how to learn from each other so i really recommend it i think it's something we all really really need right now mm-hmm. that sounds good yeah. how'd you find it um uh, well i'm um kind of involved with heterodox academy um and uh yeah cool um so next week is the finale (laughs) yeah next week we'll talk about the very last episode of the hundred um 
and it's called The Last War. So we'll see. I guess it is a war. It's, uh, um, yeah. And um, so, yeah, until then, um, thanks for listening. Come yell at us on Twitter and such, and um, maybe geek again. Bye.